That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Dynasty uh, Brace. Go check them out at DynastyBrace.com. New customers get $5 off their first order there. Let Dane and the team know that we sent you. Rocco, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, dude? That's a hell of an intro. I like that. I, you know, I, you know, Dane is Dane and the Dynasty Brace team. They're special. They've been around with us for like three, four years now. And uh, I absolutely love their support. So I made them a little nice little sizzle video. I hope they like it. I hope they like, dig it. I, I, I dig the beat personally. That's what I like. But that's, that's good, man. <laughs> there we go. Hey, man, uh, I love what you do on Twitter. And we're going to get to that. We're going to get to your 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 hobby habits and what you're doing right now in this space. But I, before we get to that, I got to ask you about your hobby history. That's where we start every show, your hobby history. Uh, we were we were talking offline, and, and I know you have the same story as a lot of people do. You got back into it during COVID. But let's go back before that. Where did it really start when, when you were a kid? What was the set that pulled you into the hobby? Yeah, I mean, I've been collecting since I was young. Uh, you know, the first set i could probably remember was that wood bordered i think it's tops was it a border was that what that was was 87 tops 87 tops that's probably the earliest i can remember in my head uh my brother was like we're all baseball players growing up but my brother was the one who got into it and i remember as a kid he would take me to this small baseball card shop just around the corner from the house it was just a couple blocks uh it was bruce's baseball card shop which is no longer open which which that's just so much of my my childhood memories but my brother would be taking me in there and just looking at the card shop and talking with bruce and and that was really the first intro i mean we got so into it i mean we're the type of family where my my father took us to the card conventions and when mm-hmm. we started chasing you know at one point a big part of my memory as a kid and hobbies was chasing that upper deck Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card uh that Billy Ripken uh, mm. misprint underneath the bat right like those are the era <laughs> those are that's the era of card collecting that I fall into and those are the big chases as a kid that I remember just going as hard as I can to find to to put the money together to buy boxes which is very you know they it's not the same cost of what it was what it is the day but those are the things. I mean, we still had gum that was good to chew mm-hmm. in our packs. Not anymore. But, yeah, that's really like the beginning of it all was my brother kind of started me into it. I kept going all the way until about probably just past high school is when I finally – I mean, look, I had – in the military, I had a giant trash can with every baseball card I've ever owned in boxes and in folders. Mm-hmm. And I lost that in my first divorce. I still don't know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Our, our stories are very similar in a lot of ways. I completely understand that. <laughs> That's so funny. So, hey, you mentioned military, and I got to ask you about this because, like like I was just saying, our, our stories are similar uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, uh, we, we both share that we're, we're veterans. We actually just figured out that we served at the same place at the same time, which is really cool. Uh, I know going through basic training in AI, well, AIT specifically, that uh, like we would get that little pass and we get to go down to the PX or whatever. And I I kind of rekindled my collecting spirit there at the PX on Fort Lee, Virginia, buying up whatever whatever cards they had. And uh, then I I, I kind of stopped for a while when I got deployed. What were your collecting habits like in the military? Did you have time to to? I know that you were an infantry guy, so that's a lot different. But did you have time to go pick up cards or go to the card shop or anything like that? No, I didn't. I didn't really have time to really do anything for myself. If I wasn't deployed, I was home training. If I wasn't training, uh, I was there with my kids who were young at the time. You mm-hmm. know, and so I really 
still had dust collecting on a trash can full of baseball cards in the garage and eventually went to a storage and then eventually just lost track. Mm -hmm. But genuinely, uh, I had no time to focus on anything outside of just preparing for, you know, the next deployment. And so that's really my military experience in in the active duty space was uh, nothing but preparing for combat. And, you know, that's just what, what, what I signed up for. And that's what I did. And I didn't have much time for anything outside of that. So again, shared experiences i i get what you're saying and i i, I vividly remember being uh in baghdad on a computer looking at cards going i could I, I have the money in my account right now i could buy a case of this stuff but where would i put it i just didn't know where to put it like because you know it you know it, it's those those weird addresses and you know you where, where are you gonna have them sent to or are you gonna have it sent at home if you get it sent home your wife's gonna see it and then you'll probably never see it again it's it's a it's a struggle like when you're in that space going i, I just don't know how to do this so you have to almost take a break because there's nothing else to do right yeah you know it's funny i'm now that i'm thinking even more into it i know why i stopped even getting into collecting i played college baseball and became academically ineligible to play anymore and it mm-hmm. was actually the first big loss in my life was losing the game of baseball and i remember how mad i was about that that i didn't even turn on a baseball game i didn't watch baseball wanted nothing to do with the game and i imagine that probably went hand in hand with not wanting to see a baseball card ever again i was hurt that the fact that my baseball career my you know the the shot at, at becoming a professional ball player the dream since i was four years old was taken from me because of my own immaturity right mm-hmm. And so I had to join the military. I had a daughter, wanted to take care of her. So all these little decisions growing up, I kind of felt like, let me keep that kid's game, you know, in the past. The first day I got off active duty. So here we go. I got off active duty. It was, it was uh, June 17th. I'm driving home. It got home just in time for my July 15th birthday because I had to stop a couple stops on the way, stop saw family got to Arizona, I called the team and they let me play. So for my birthday, July 15th, which is tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, so however many years ago, I played in a baseball game. I pitched two innings. Uh, I had four strikeouts. I hit, I went one for uh, one for two, one off. I hit one off the fence and I thought, well, maybe, maybe I can still do this. And my wife at the time was like, no, nah, forget about it. It's in the past. <laughs> She said no. She just put the kibosh on it right there. Yeah, That's, not right there. Yeah, That's so funny. I was let's, heartbroken, yeah. Let's talk about your college baseball experience. Uh, where, where did you uh, go to college? I played uh, two years in junior college in the, in the Southern California area. So one year at uh, Valley Community College, got in trouble. I had a little bit of, you know, I get a lot of immaturity in my life. Uh, went to Glendale Community College. We played in the Junior College World Series, and we lost, man, we lost um, – to Riverside Community College in the championship game. It was a heartbreaker. But on my team was Fernando Valenzuela Jr. Oh, nice. Yeah, he was the first baseman there. I was a I was a secondary closer. I was a, a middle relief pitcher at the time. And then I got a full ride. I went up north to uh, Chico State, played in a summer team there. I got a full ride to an NAIA college in, in Kentucky, in a city called Owensboro, Kentucky, at a private school called Brescia University. Mm-hmm. I was a two-way player doing really well during the during the preseason and then boom the grades came out. Mm. So I joined the military. <laughs> did you know, did you know ahead of time that you were that you were going to be academically ineligible? I knew I was close, you know, it actually came down to a ceramics class, you know, listen up kids, uh, <laughs> you know, do your homework. <laughs> I uh, I had a ceramics class that I was planning to drop and I actually slept in too late, missed the drop date 
and uh, that pushed my 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 GPA beneath. I believe it was a two point three, which I needed a two point five to be eligible and maintain my full ride. You know, and from there it's just I didn't make any good decisions. I tried out for some independent pro teams. And, um, you know, immaturity really chased me around my, a lot of my, my younger life. I needed the military to mature. I, I needed the military to kind of straighten my, mm-hmm. my thought process out. And so, um, you know, in the end of the day, as much as it hurt me as a, as a young kid, it, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me to kind of straighten my life out. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I think uh, just speaking from experience, you know, that military experience is, is probably the best thing to straighten out anybody's life because of the structure that's involved. And hearing you uh, refreshingly say that it's something that you needed and realizing that that takes a lot from a person to understand that uh, because there, you know, a lot of people go into the, to the service, not understanding that thinking that, you know, they're, they're just going to slide through it. And that's just not how it works there at all. Like you, it's a commitment and it's a 24 seven, 365 job that people can't skate by in at all. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> at all. So uh, walk me up to where, to where you are, you're at now with, uh, with, uh, with collecting. And I do want to talk about your acting career in a moment too, but uh, like you said, you rediscovered collecting during COVID. How did that happen? Yeah. You know, you kind of locked down at the time We're we're in Salt Lake city, Utah. And um, I have, you know, seven kids and we're all locked down in the house and you're trying to find ways of entertaining them. I, I brought them through, I showed them a little bit of um, disc golf, but we can't always leave the house. Mm-hmm. And so I started seeing a lot of Pokemon collections and people talking about it. And I was like, okay, let's see what this is all about. And boom, I bought them a couple of boxes of Pokemon. They had a good time breaking them open with me. And so mm-hmm. we're ripping these boxes and they're just enjoying it and they're looking them up. And then I start telling about value of, of in, in investments. And so we start looking at what cards are worth. And, and as we start doing that, it becomes a thing like the family's involved. And so sure. I find, I find another baseball, I find a baseball card pack and I'm like, man, I forgot how much I love baseball. And so <laughs> my wife's like, you're watching a lot of baseball nowadays. Like, yeah. Cause cards kind of brought my love back to the game. You know, mm-hmm. I remember how much I love the game and why, you know, a value of one card uh, could be, you know, can be so worthless to someone, but so valuable to another just based on different kind of things, different connections, different relatabilities. You know, I love Puerto Rican ballplayers because I'm half Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. I love Mexican ballplayers because I'm half Mexican. <laughs> I love players from New York because my father's born in New York. I love L.A. Dodgers because I'm from L.A. And so I can I, I now have like grown into the space and learned and Googled and watched and followed all these car collectors out there and. You know, I myself now consider myself an avid, you know, card collector and and enthusiast, you know, with with every different, you know, I love MMA, you know, I love uh, baseball, but I'm also learning now about soccer. I'm learning about even Pokemon, all those cards. I'm just learning about it all. It's just interesting to me. And so I'm enjoying it. It's interesting that you you said you're learning about soccer specifically. I saw a couple of tweets earlier today where people were uh, opining about how three months ago everybody was collecting baseball and football. And now all of a sudden everybody seems to be collecting soccer. Like that, that is a, that's a, that's a sport I think is probably a year behind from really like busting or bursting onto the, the collecting scene. But if you're in on it right now, that's, that's something that will benefit you into the future. Uh, I like soccer specifically, I don't know a whole lot about it, but I know that right now is the time to be about it. Is that, is that something you're adding to your collection right now? 
Yeah. And you know, it's funny, uh, you know, a personal collection. I don't know. I don't know what my personal collection is. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I myself am trying to figure that out when it comes to soccer. I don't know anything about soccer besides like four names out there. Right. I know Massey, I think his name is one of the biggest names that people keep talking about. Messi, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Messi. So I'm talking to several soccer enthusiasts and learning. I'm asking questions and it's actually just kind of a cool thing. You know, they're asking me about baseball. I'm asking them about soccer, and we're kind of going back and forth. I'm mm -hmm. going to send them a box. They're sending me a box. And it's this really cool community of, of card enthusiasts that, that I didn't expect even existed in this world. And now it's like, man, the floodgates have opened. The card world has kind of opened up their arms to me. Just on Twitter alone, I think I grew like 5,000 followers just by posting, like, I'm into cards. Like, let's mm -hmm. like, I want to follow more card enthusiasts because I want to learn more. And, yeah, so soccer right now is a thing for me. There's a – you know, I, I followed some women's soccer back in the day during the Olympics. I thought that was very interesting. So sure. now it kind of draws me back. We're in Salt Lake City. We have, um, uh, you know, the Salt Lake Real. So we have soccer teams here. So why wouldn't I get involved in that? And plus, my daughter and son love the sport. So, like, I'm like, it's another way to keep them in, involved and in loving with their own sport. It's a natural connection that, that, that I see, like, a father like yourself. You just mentioned your daughter and son love the sport. It's a natural way to, one, get them involved in, in, into collecting you know, with soccer specifically and two, uh grow your own portfolio where, where it might come to, you might have a messy PC one day, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Nick Gable says, uh, if this is who I think it is, my daughter loved you in Mayans. So uh, awesome, Nick. Thank you very much. This is uh, Rocco Vargas. This is exactly who you think it is. We're going to talk about Mayans in just a moment. I promise. But we're here uh, just about at the 15-minute mark where I have to introduce my legacy spotlight. My sorry, my legacy sports art spotlight. And today we're gonna go ahead and spotlight Joey Bats, just because hey, I love Joey Bats. I love this card. This is from my friend Jamie Thomas up in Toronto, Canada. And when you see this Rocco on your screen in just here a moment, uh, let me know what you think about Jamie's wonderful artwork. Are you a Blue Jays fans at all? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, man. So this is uh, Jamie Thomas. You can check him out at LegacySportsArt.com. You can use code BLP2021 and get yourself 10% off a custom sketch. You can see that this is from a Topps Museum collection. I believe this is what that is from. I'm, I'm sorry, Top Series 2018 Top Series 2 is what this is from. Uh, Jamie is a fabulous artist. Go check him out at LegacySportsArt.com. Use code BLP2021 and you'll get 10% off a custom sketch order. Uh, Vince, can, can you draw it all? Uh, a little bit, yeah, not, not that good. <laughs> not that good. <laughs> He's uh, Jamie's a great guy, so guys, go check him out. Let him know that we sent you up there. Give him some love, and you can get yourself a custom-made sketch card from Legacy Sports Art, who, by the way, just uh, was a runner-up in a national, an international contest. Now that I think about it, it was uh, it was like seven different countries involved with that uh, drawing for the Josh Gibson MVP award. Oh uh, so I, lo I loved did, all the Josh Gibson art. Did you follow that? Yeah, he's one of my favorite stories and, and, and players that I've learned about as a kid. You know, the Negro Leagues is very valuable and important to me as a kid. You know, the Puerto Rican side of my family, I, I've known. I had some Puerto Rican ball players that played professional ball. Jose Okendo back in the day with Ozzie Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know back and even further on, you know, some, some of the Puerto Rican players had to play in the Negro Leagues, right, because of color of skin tone. And so I was raised understanding and knowing the Negro Leagues. And Josh Gibson right there is one of my – Man, one of my go-tos. I really love him. He, you know, if there was more cards of his, that'd be a PC of mine. You know, I was trying mm -hmm. to collect some of these, these top seventy series. They're they're hard to get and they're getting expensive. I got a couple of them though. 
<laughs> you know, uh, they, they are hard to get and they are getting expensive. On the whole, the hobby is expensive. What were your thoughts coming back into it? Like, if you're collecting in the late 80s, early 90s, chasing Ken Griffey Jr. rookies, what, what are your thoughts when you see the, you know, the price of a box of cards coming back into it? Yeah, it was a shocker. It was a shocker to see, you know, the the inflation uh, from when I was young to what it is now. You know, it's it's I, I think I went about it wrong when I first I started investing money into buying boxes and ripping them open and hoping to find it. There's some value in that, right? There's there's the the chase that is so fun to try and fulfill with finding that one big hit, you know, something that makes the chase worth it. But now then I started buying, you know, I started buying slabs and, and you know, already graded cards for me. Mm -hmm. uh, became like, look, if I'm going to make an investment, I'd rather buy the card graded and ready to go. Like it's a top performing card right there. And I'm just hold on to it. And if it's a PC card as well, if it's a personal collection, you know, my own private collection, I like Derek Jeter's. I like Derek Jeter's because my wife loves Derek Jeter. So it's kind of this thing. I like to buy them for her and collect them. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going to go chase for Derek Jeter, I don't know if I want to spend that money. If I can spend, right. you know, 500 bucks on a box and not sure if I get it, or I can just go, you know, 200 on eBay and find a really quality car that I like. You know, so I think I started in the I started in the hobby doing the wrong thing by just spending a lot of money. And I say a lot of money, like I have this little allotment on monthly I give myself, but spending that all on chasing cards. And now mm -hmm. I'm like, if I really want a card, I just want to go buy it straight from the source, graded, ready to rock, and something I'm really happy with. Uh, now you know I'm getting into breaking because I just enjoy the card space. I want to break for others, and you know, breaking is a nice way of being able to give the, you know, the average person, uh, the ability to, to get the cards that they want, you know what I mean? To, to shop for their team without having to buy a whole dang box that it can mm -hmm. be way too expensive. You know, there's boxes I won't touch, you know, there's some boxes I like to watch, but I won't <laughs> touch them. <laughs> now, how did you get into breaking? Obviously uh, our show today is brought to you by dynasty breaks. So I want to give them a little love, but did you see some, I mean, obviously you saw someone breaking first, but did you think, Hey, I can do that. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the, the evolution of my of my hobby in, in, in the card game was started buying and then started chasing around, looking for them, and then went into like, you know what, instead of spending this much money on a box, let me see if I can jump in on some of these breaks. Started watching guys break, and I'm like, man, I like that. I think it's kind of cool. Uh, and so I started looking into and researching myself how to do breaks on my own. Did you – so – Obviously, you you don't have an allocation from a distributor, do you? No, man. No. You know, you know, we're trying to get there. I think you got to kind of prove yourself in the space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're making some deals here and there. A lot of guys hit me up on um, Twitter with they have, you know, they have some some deals and some boxes. And you know, I made friends with a couple card shops here in town that you know they have boxes that we're probably not going to sell. And so, you know, I'm able to get stuff here and there. I, I'm not going to make a killing doing it, but I'm going to enjoy it the whole time. And it's kind of like what I want to do in the car space, you know? So we created Vinnie rock breaks and that is where we're going to be doing it. And, you know, UFC cars, cause I enjoy them baseball cards and my partner's going to be doing everything else. And so we're just going to have some fun with it. So you said your partners, what does your team look like? Are they already breakers in the space or uh, no, man? It's just, you know, he, my, my buddy, Jeremy wanted to be a breaker. He started a little bit, you know, because of my leverage with the, the following I have, I think, we can make it successful. Plus, I enjoy being on the microphone. I enjoy being in front of a camera. This is what I do. And so I thought, bring a little of my personality to the mix as well as my love for the game, and, and let's see how it goes. You know, I have the camera equipment I already used for live uh, podcasting feeds, and so, you know, we jump around and, and we, we mess with it for a little bit. So I've been testing it out. 
We're going to keep testing for a couple weeks. And I, I think, I think in two weeks we'll be ready to launch. I think when we see that first, uh, Vinny rocks soccer break, I know I will know that you've made it and that you're ready to do it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Hey, uh, well, I want to talk about your podcast. Now you, you do this every morning. You said, no, so I do a Vinny Rock podcast on Wednesdays and Wednesdays and Thursday mornings. Okay. It's kind of like wake up with me. Uh, it's a one hour uh, podcast. We talk about anything. I go live on on Facebook. I go live on Twitch, and we and I got another computer coming in that we'll be going live on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and just again, it's just a place to just wake up and communicate and talk and BS a little bit about just life and what's going on in my life and what's going on out there in the news. And so we talk about it sometimes. Like today we were talking about wrestling, man, like WWF era, you know, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant era. And we started talking about So tomorrow I have a a guest, Garrett Bischoff. He is a professional wrestler. We're going to talk deeper into wrestling. And it really is just all it's about is talking. When Mayans was on, I was having certain cast members come in and talk about certain scenes. Mm -hmm. And we're we're letting the fans communicate with them directly through through live chat. And so, you know, it's just a fun thing. And I've done podcasting for so long. I just kind of don't want to give it up because I feel like it's a part of me. It's you know it's once you get the catch the bug it's it's there and you, it, it becomes something that you're that of your own that you you care about it's almost like a child like you want to you want to help it along and help it grow and do all you can and get into a space and then uh, you know it, there's so many different ways to approach it whether you do a, a webcast or a or a, a podcast or you know a combination of both it's really fun to see I think it's interesting that you mentioned that you had you brought cast members on from the Mayans and had direct fan interaction. I've seen that work great uh, with shows like The Office and, and things like that. How was that experience for you and, and your fellow castmates? I think it's good, man. It's, it's a moment to be able to dissect the acting side of the show and really get deeper into what goes on in, as an actor. You know, playing on that show, it's, it's, a, it's a huge cast and everyone does a great job. And, and being able to step outside of that world and, and kind of let the guard down and tell what was going through the actor's head at the moment, I think it brings a lot of value and a little bit more uh, connection between us and the fans. People that support the show, they kind of get a little bit more attached to it because it's so honest and so human. You know, I, I interviewed Frankie Loyal, who plays Hank on the show, and he said something to me that was like, it blew me away. You know, his podcast, mm-hmm. I didn't know where it was going to go. We talked about the scenes he was doing in acting and he started talking about it. And I was like, dang, I'm so glad I invited him because, it, <laughs> you know, you learn things about people and you don't know what they're going through in these moments. You know, he lost his mother, you know, uh, during while we're filming and he still had to be able to harness his emotions and, and use it in, and it's just this really beautiful thing. I mean, everyone I've ever interviewed on there has been awesome. And I just, like I said, I, I love what I do for a living. You know, I, I can't, I, it's just beautiful. And so be able to interview people and, and let them tell their stories. You know who uh, Emilio Rivera is? He's the one who plays Marcus Alvarez on the show. He's probably the most iconic Mayan. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the godfather. I did an interview with him on, a, on another podcast I host called Branches of Struggle. And I talk about mental health and, and addiction, right? And, and I like to tell these, these success stories about it. He's been sober for 31 years. Oh, awesome. it's incredible. And the one thing he said that, and, and, I'll, and I'll cut it short here. The one thing he said was acting made him human again. He went to an acting coach and the acting coach showed him how to feel emotion. Wow. And I thought it was just a beautiful statement from such a powerful man. What, so 
let's let's talk about that. How do you, how do you get into acting? You you don't have a background in it. Uh, you know, you have you know a baseball background, a military background. Was it because you looked the part? Was it because you understand, uh, you know, maybe a, a little bit about that mentality growing up in L.A. and seeing that kind of stuff? Or uh, how, how did you how did you get into that career? Well, you know, I as was academically in Ellsbury College because I was terrible in school. I'm dyslexic. Mm. Right. I've always had a reading disorder. I've always struggled and I've always struggled with the confidence. I told my baseball coach when I was at Glendale Community College, and I said, look, I, I have trouble passing classes. He's the one who recommended, you know, maybe a theater class. Why don't you try that? Those are easy. And so I, I joined two different theater classes. And that nice. was the beginning of everything. I did an improv class, uh, an improv scene about, you know, that the teacher asked me to do. And I did it. And after the class, he's like, I really think you have something for this. And I didn't entertain the idea because baseball was the priority of my life. But I did go to an audition at one point and realized, you know, reading was not a, a power of mine. And so I said, no, thank you. <laughs> Later on down the road, as I was in the border patrol, uh, I started doing YouTube videos with some friends and I really started kind of taking a liking again to being in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. uh, I produced the movie, produced the documentary with my friends. And that, that made me decide like, I didn't want to just do YouTube anymore. I wanted to kind of step into the real Hollywood space. And I started making efforts towards some acting and I was able to get the audition for Mayans. Did, so was that a casting call or was that uh, like, did you know somebody? How'd that happen? Yeah, it's kind of tough, man. You know, the acting space is, is sometimes it's who you know. Sometimes it's, the, you know, having the right agent and manager. I was in L.A. filming an improv comedy show called uh, Dads and Parks. And, and it's it's on YouTube and it, it was on the movie theaters. You can see it in previews. But um, when I was there doing that, a friend of mine who was an actor, his name is Steve Howie, he's a pretty big actor. Uh, he was on Shameless the whole mm -hmm. time. He's the bartender, right? Um, he was like, Hey man, I just, I just heard that mines is still looking for guys. If you're in LA right now, you might want to contact them. And I said, well, I don't know who to contact. What do I need to do? And he said, well, I know the casting director, send me your, you know, so in the acting world, our resume is kind of a, a, a headshots and an acting yeah. reel, right? So mm -hmm. show me, you can act on video and also what do you look like? So I sent them all that stuff in a quick bio and within hours, they already had me with the, the sides, which means, which is like the PDF file of what I'm going to be reading mm -hmm. and a date for the next day to show up and do an open audition. Oh, wow. That's a yeah. cool story. I'm, I'm talking like from never auditioning for anything ever, like legitimate to walking in that room and hoping, you know, I did it right. So, so what kind of doors has that opened? I mean, you're, you've been on the show now. What, what kinds of doors has that opened for you and uh, for other opportunities to, to show your acting prowess? I don't know. You know, it, I don't think it's really opened any doors yet. Um, I've get opportunities for acting. I don't take them all the time. You know, my goal is to be a, a father that's relevant, that's yeah. in my kids' lives. So I can't take every job that comes my way. I want to do Mayans justice. I want to do so well on that show that if that show ends 3, 10, 20 years from now, God willing, um, I have another show lined up behind that. I want to show that I'm good enough to be there. You know, you always want to just do well in the space that you're at. And so I'm going to give Mayans all my energy. Uh, I would love to get into directing and writing down the road. You know, I filmed a couple other films. One called Lucy Shimmers and the Prince of Peace was a, you know, a faith-based film we did here in Utah. Mm -hmm. I, helped, I helped produce that, and I'm super proud of that one. But, you know, I, I pick and choose my battles. Right now I'm going through a writing program that uh, I was selected for, and I really want to kind of get good, good writing chops and see if I can start, you know, telling stories that I believe in. Um, 
you know, I played junior college baseball and I don't think there's a movie out there that tells that story. And I, I really want to write that story of junior college baseball. That's a, that's an interesting one because, you know, you, you hear, you hear horror stories about minor league baseball and how those guys are treated. And I can only imagine what it is on the junior college level. That, that doesn't sound like uh, it, it's no walk in the park. And it, it, it's a struggle because you're trying to get to the next lead to the next level. Right. Yeah. Was that your goal to get to a, you know, a, a D one school? Yeah, you know, I had tr- trouble with reading, so the right. SATs wasn't wasn't uh, you know, I didn't get good scoring on any of that stuff, and so my goal, I knew that I could get drafted out of junior college, mm-hmm. and uh, my goal was to hopefully show up and do a great two years and and get picked up. You know, um, in two years, I didn't really get to do much because I was in trouble, uh, academic issues, and it's just one thing after another. I can say all the excuses in the world. One, uh, I don't think I was good enough to be honest i think i had the skill sets but mentally and emotionally i was too much of a uh, of a wild kid mm-hmm. and um you know being left-handed and big it can only take you so far they'll all look but when they also see that you can't pass your grades and you get in trouble you know it doesn't really help so you know, but god has a plan and that's why you're at where you're at now and that's an amazing thing that's an amazing thing hey you, you mentioned something earlier and i wanted to circle back to it is you're on a team with fernando valesuino jr yeah. did you ever speak to him about fernando mania no, you know what's funny is that we didn't talk about his father too often. His dad would come to the games. You know, we had a good team. You know, his dad would come to the games. They'd sit with my dad and they they kind of they talk a little bit. But you know, it seemed he was really wanting to live his own life and do his own thing, and he was doing it. You know, he was making his own name in baseball. He wasn't a pitcher. He was a first baseman for us. Mm-hmm. He was a great hitter. He's one of those hitters where you can't fool twice. You know. And, and he did well right now, uh, you know, just through friends of, of friends, I heard that he's now running uh, his father's team down in Mexico and he's doing good. He's, he's a general manager for them. So, you know, we didn't talk too much about the Fernando mania. Like, I think for me, it was always in the back of my head. I'd love to have that conversation. You know what I mean? But yeah. uh, you also don't, you know, I think if he was going to offer the information, I would have been, been happy to hear it, but you know, we were focused on playing the game and we were college kids, man. We were, we were knuckleheads, you know? Sure. I understand that. Growing, I'm just, I just, I don't know if I understand everything you just explained. I get it. But as a, as a baseball fan, I almost would have to ask that question, you know, just because of how big that was. You got the LA hat on right now. That's yeah, so well, look at, look at right there. That's, exactly. That's exactly. The Santa <laughs> with a bobblehead doll right there. <laughs> that's so great. When you hey. grew up in LA and you're Hispanic, I mean, that's your icon. I mean, how how often did you go to Chavez Ravine when you were a kid and watch games? Oh, all the time, all the time. I mean, I can't even count them. I've been I've been there, I've been there on the ground level watching Daryl Strawberry warm up in the crowd going, Daryl, <laughs> like just beautiful, right? Things like that. I, I don't know if people, if you haven't been there, which I understand that there's millions of people that live in Los Angeles, but for those of you who are not from that side of the country or specifically that city, I don't know that there's a more picturesque scene when the sun is going down at Chavez Ravine and how beautiful that ballpark is and how like just over, just over the wall there is, is LA. And it's so amazing. It's, it's wonderful to look at. I've only been there once, but I enjoyed it immensely. I thought it was a great time to, uh, to be had. All right. Uh, we are uh, at the final five minutes. That means it's time for the final five. Vince, this is where I ask you uh, five random questions that has nothing to do with collecting or acting or anything else. This is just your time to show some personality, which I know you've already done that. So you ready for this? I'm ready. All right, here we go. First question. Which member of the Avengers would you like to be? Hulk. Hulk. Why Hulk? 
oh man, that's something about being super strong and be able to crush anything in it. You know, there's a little bit of him in me, you know, there's a little okay. bit of him in me. So yeah, the Hulk. Okay, we're going to keep the superhero theme then. Would you rather have telekinesis, the, the ability to, to move things with your mind, or uh, tele, telepathy, uh, be able to read minds? Ooh, I guess read minds. I think I, I would always like to find who's the most genuine person in the room. The most genuine. I, I understand that. You, especially being a soldier, you know, we don't like to. We don't. We don't deal with with uh, with fakeness very well. So we <laughs> want to know who the most genuine person is. Do you still, when you walk into a room, do you still size everybody up immediately? Always, always, always. Right. <laughs> it's for the safety of my family, for the safety of myself, for who knows why. But look, it's a skill set I have. Why? Why waste it? Exactly. You mean, and you, and also, you know, every exit, like quickly. <laughs> I understand. I understand. This is a gross one. Would you rather swim in a pool full of Nutella or a pool full of maple syrup? Nutella. Nutella. Yeah. I like imagine, Nutella? I imagine, yeah. No, it's just the cleanup sounds easier. <laughs> it, it sounds a lot easier. <laughs> I don't want to, uh, I don't want to deal with that. Hey, being from Los Angeles, you might not have experienced this a lot when you were a kid. But you live in Salt Lake now, so uh, would you rather stay in during a snow day and build a fort or go outside and build a snowman? Oh, go outside and build a snowman all day long. Do you guys get to enjoy the snow uh, oh. there? Yes, for sure. I mean, we get we have all four seasons and we get snow. You know, sometimes we might have to go away from the house to find be better snow. Mm -hmm. But no, we get snow days. I'm out there shoveling. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Uh, see, get to a couple of comments here. Nick Gable says Daryl had one of the sweetest swings in all of baseball. That oh, is yeah. right. Sydney Moats, great interview and guest. Thank you, Sydney, for watching. All right, final question of the final five. Here we go. Uh, let's let's think about this one. All right, would you all rather right. have Beyonce's talent or Jay Z's business acumen? Oh, this is easy. I'd rather have Jay, Jay Z's business acumen. I <laughs> That guy has done well for himself financially. You know, in the end of the day, like my goal, my dream in life is to serve others, right? I did it in service. I did it as a civilian. I'm doing it now in the veteran community and in, in everything I do. And being able to help means you have to be able to make money to spend money, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be able to create money. And so when you create that wealth, you can give it back. And so what he's done has been very brilliant. And yeah, man, I, I, would, I would love to be in those shoes right now. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that, uh, especially as a vet. You, you mentioned this a couple of times as a veteran helping other veterans. How, how does that look for you? What what are you exactly are you doing to help other veterans? You know, because I have a name, you know, I have a, I have a lot of people that come to me and, and I may have been able to find a lot of resources for those who struggle with post-traumatic stress and mental health. Uh, I've been researching myself. I'm going to college myself. I'm doing all these things to try and find answers for veteran suicide. Right. And, and there's a lot of people out there that are making these efforts. But, you know, it's been 20 years and I feel like we, we're still behind. So just being a voice and telling guys like men and women who have served is if you need counseling, seek counseling. Counseling is cool. A lot of people are struggling and don't want to go out there and get help. But if they need the resources, I can find them for them because I just have that ability. I've been people reaching out to me and continuing to be a voice for them. Right. If, if, we, if we don't have a big enough voice and a big enough microphone, no one, no one gets heard. And if that's my job right now, and that's where God put me into this place of being a bigger microphone for the community, mm -hmm. so be it. Absolutely, absolutely, Vince. Vince, it's been a, it's been a great time here with you. I, I appreciate you making time for me today and making this happen. Uh, I want to say thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a, you're doing great things. And guys in the hobby, if you're not following, please let them know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, on uh, let's see, on 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 Twitter, I'm at the real underscore Rocco, uh, and on 
Instagram and Facebook is Vincent Rocco Vargas. If you guys want to join us for the breaks, it's VinnyRockBreaks.com. And if you just Google me, you can find me. I read every single message that comes through. So hit me up. I'll answer. I promise you, I got no one running my social media but me. So uh, jump in there and ask questions all you want. Please do that. And then that that podcast is Wednesdays and Thursdays, right? Wednesdays, Thursdays, 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Go check it out on Facebook. I just posted. Uh, Yeah, join me live. You can chat. We talk. We have a good time. Awesome. Guys, go do that. Vince, hang out backstage with me. Everybody else, we will be back tomorrow around 1.30 uh, p.m. as well with our president of Beckett, Mr. Jeremy Murray. We're going to talk about what's going to be happening at the National, how grading is going to look, and what you need to be prepared for to be ready for the National. So don't miss that 1.30 tomorrow. Vince, thank you very much, everybody else. Good night. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow.